Everyone runs away from pain, dodging the truth it comes with. But you are done with limiting your greatness in the shackles of fear. You see fuel in the fire. You taste ripe fruit in real answers. You move to the drums with wild expression. Enter From Pain to Gain, the podcast about identifying pain so you can ultimately gain health and wealth. Because without identifying a mountain, how can you climb it? Here's your host, Ivan Alpha. Welcome back to the Deal Making Podcast, slash audiobook, slash whatever it is, video cast. Let's jump right in. This property was a little difficult because the guy just wanted a certain price. And no matter how many attempts at trying to reduce it, the seller just wanted a certain price. It was about 180000 And for that area, it was still not even reaching $300,000, $400,000 mark for um, renovated properties. So as you can imagine, him asking one hundred eighty. A full gut job could be a hundred grand and 300 grand is not quite there. There's, there's no profit much, not much profit at all. If anything, there's space for risk and space for just somebody that really has the wherewithal of vision for the property to move forward. So I was the middleman on this property trying to find a buyer for him. And let's go ahead and just jump right into the points. Okay. Let's go ahead and give you that value. The, most <laughs> critical thing I can remember that was a, a pain point for me in this, this um, transaction was the closing because the buyer that I ended up finding through Zillow, through MLS, who was a builder and was just wrapping up another project, uh, actually it turned out to even be in my network. An agent referred me to him. Uh, so he was just wrapping up something in Virginia Highlands, which is a very kind of ritzy part of town, close to Piedmont Park, which is kind of our equivalent of Central Park uh, to, uh, to New York. So at closing, unfortunately, the lender was saying all sorts of craziness, such as, we're still missing documents from the buyer. We're still missing XYZ. Uh, the attorney still hasn't finished. And... I was getting all these calls and texts in the midst, right at the closing table. And of course, in my head, I was just losing my mind, like everything's about to go wrong. And even recently, a friend of mine told me that a transaction went down the wrong way like that. And he had to kind of find a last minute ditch buyer, um, which ended up working out. But here's what I did instead of kind of losing my mind and starting to blame others immediately or starting to just go all over the place and dis discomforting the seller. What I did was I tapped into small talk. And what, what sort of small talk? Specifically around things that uh, engage the seller, right? People are interested in the things they have that they do with their lives, right? So I talked about their career. Why, did he, why was he selling the property? Um, and it turned out that it was because he was uh, moving to, uh, closer to downtown. Instead of being in Decatur, he wanted to be close to downtown. His uh, new job was there. Uh, we talked about even his upbringing, his hobbies, his car, which was like this uh, coupe Scion. I think it's the FRS, if I remember correctly. So I talked about those sorts of passions, which ended up buying me 
I think it was close to two hours at the end of the day to get the lender and the buyer all in order to get their things done. So that was frustrating, but I noticed what the thing I just kind of did live action to make sure the seller didn't lose his mind was whenever 30 minutes would pass, I would look at my clock and be like, oh man, I'm going to give them five more minutes. If they don't come in here, I'm just going to go out there and see what's going on. So, you know, I kind of amped up the rage so that the seller essentially didn't have to. I did it on his behalf. And I still, when I was saying things like that, you know, every 30 minutes, I would get a small update, bring it back to the seller, and that would kind of appease him. And then I would proceed with the small talk again. So I guess to sum that up, that first point, be able to amp up whatever you feel the seller is feeling, or this could apply to any sales thing, right? Try to get ahead of the curve so that they aren't thinking, oh, this guy doesn't care about me or this situation is going to go haywire. So that's the number one tip, but also keep in mind to keep it kind of open-ended as to what's going to happen, right? Uh, in this case, I was really emphasizing the lender was missing details. So, I mean, it was true. This is out of our control. We can't always control lenders. So leaving it open-ended like that did allow me to, if it did go wrong, just say, hey, it's their, it's their bad. Um, and one could call that blame, but I like to call it as delegating responsibility to who was the root cause. I feel like the word blame is more like, oh, they did the wrong thing. They messed up. They should be put in, in hell with gnashing teeth. Okay, so that's what blame looks like to me. Now, the, the second point to this uh, deal-making episode in this particular property was the black swan. Get, get to the black, black swan as fast as possible. This concept is this, described in the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Boss. And it basically means figure out, try to po point the questions towards getting to why they want to sell in the first place. In this case, I totally didn't even get to the question until we were at the closing table. He was moving because he wanted to be closer to his job, his downtown job. So that was the black swan, the kind of thing that came only from unraveling questions upon questions about, about his motivations in life. And how that could have been useful for me could have been, hey, I could have been on the other side of that transaction. It ended up taking about two months to get this thing sold. So if I had knew that the entire time, I could have maybe even secured another place for him, made money on that side too, and secured this money too. So all those things could have played into a much better and probably a lot calmer uh, closing or two closings. Lastly, keeping the customer well apprised on a bi-weekly or weekly basis. This is what I noticed also comforted the seller. So uh, I probably amped up the stress level on my side because I, I just hate going back on my word on something. If, I'm gonna, if I tell you I'm going to sell this property, I'm going to do it. But there was a real, real chance because of the price that it would not sell. But me keeping in touch with him on a regular basis 
would have, if it went right or went wrong, I think it would have just been fine and we would have figured it out regardless. Um, aside from that, I would just comment on the, the description of the property. It was a 2-1, so that was another uh, kicker for uh, the price being so high. It was really tiny. Uh, so you basically had to just tear it down. So you're looking at 100 minimum regardless. It was not in perfect condition inside also. So this was kind of before uh, COVID and all this stuff and before the rising appreciation of properties. So it wasn't something that people were like, ah, ah I, need, I need any property I could get my hands on. It was more so still kind of tepid, the, the market. So those are the three points. Number one, try to get ahead of your seller's emotions by you amping them up. Just, just dial it up, just one volume point. Uh, find the black swan fast. And lastly, keep the customer well apprised. Hope this video was helpful. And I like your face. Keep it up. You're doing a great job with that face. Episode sponsored by Commonwalk, a real estate company dedicated to affordable housing investment. To learn more, visit commonwalk.com.